Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Kenny Conversation, brought to you by Jags, the leader in high-performance aftermarket car parts. Remember to go to jags.com to fix your vehicles up. Man, I am so lucky right now because I believe we have one of the greatest talents in NASCAR history, Kurt Busch. Kurt, welcome to Kenny Conversation. What's up, my friend Kenny? How are you, buddy? Thanks for the answer. I'm doing really good. You got one hell of a backdrop there of the Wood Brothers. Where are you at? So I'm at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Uh, we just finished painting the walls pink. Uh, I've been doing a program real quick, just sponsored, but it's for a foundation, uh, the Pink Window Nets, Window of Hope. And so I was like, man, I, I got to get Kenny on the show real quick while I have good Wi-Fi here at the track. And I looked around, and this was the best backdrop. I mean, I got Dale Sr. and Jr. right here. Uh, Kyle and I are over there, but it's above the door. Uh, so I was like, the Wood Brothers, man, you can't go wrong with the Wood Brothers. Man, you do. You got it going on. And, you know, the Kenny conversation is just that. We're going to be everywhere. But, uh, yes, October, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And I know Jags is going to have me wearing pink. So you've been doing that for quite a few years, haven't you, at the Charlotte Motor Speedway? Yeah, this is the third year that I've been involved with Window of Hope. Uh, the racetrack, they've been painting the walls pink, they said, 11 years. Wow. Uh, and it's a, it's a cool collaborative initiative that all of our community, you know that, Kenny, like yeah. Martinsville painted the curbs pink. Uh, different tracks do different recognition moments. Uh, and for me, it, when I do different programs, like with the military, and you meet some of these men and women who have served, every story is different on how they got there or, you know, their injury you know, and every story is different with the ladies with uh, their breast cancer and, and the survivors and some that don't. And some of the families that, that are still here uh, giving back to the community to help the ladies. Well, Kurt, let's get to it, my friend. Uh, my brother Rusty always says, Herm, it's sad to say you have to remind people because they remember what they want to. So I'm going to say this. Just give me a minute. I'm going to I'm going to read all this off and then I want your opinion. OK. Kurt Busch, 776 NASCAR races over 23 years, 34 wins. Now listen to this. Here we go. This is going to give you goosebumps. 2003 IROC champion, 2004 NASCAR Cup champion, 2010 Coke 600, where you're at right now, right in that media room, 2010 All-Star winner right there at Charlotte, 2011 Bud Shootout winner. Now, this is one of my favorite ones right here. 2014 Indianapolis 500 Rookie of the Year. 
And then winner of the 2017 Daytona 500. Now, Kurt, in my opinion, you, you've truly done it all. When, when, I, when I read those stats to you, where does your brain go? Yeah, the, the first thing that comes to mind is all the race teams and the privilege that I've had to be at this top level of NASCAR for so long. It, it's the people and all the different teams and sponsors I've raced for. That, that's honestly the first thing. You know, you don't think about stats when you first start out and you're just driving, driving, have fun. You know, I've, I've, I've won stuff, I've wrecked stuff. Uh, you know, it, it's the first thing that really just comes to mind though is the team and the team camaraderie with everyone uh, because that's the family that I enjoy now in NASCAR after I've been, you know, from full-time racing now just hanging with 2311. It's, it's about the crew members, the team and the family of NASCAR. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I think from driver to driver, I think about incredible talent, how you're able to drive a car so neutral uh, I jumped in one of your cars one time and <laughs> I, I couldn't go as fast as you. I remember uh, all that in Phoenix. <laughs> that's, an, that's another story. But, you know, my point is, is you're so talented. I, I had to tighten the car up. And I think one of the reasons you're, you're so great and one of the greatest, and you're definitely going into the Hall of Fame, but is your ability to drive the car neutral. Do, does anybody ever tell you that you can drive a car loose? Yeah, those are the the comparisons that I've seen over the years with different teammates. Um, you know, going back to when I first started racing with my dad, uh, it was his setup. I just drove it, and I go, Dad, it's it's too tight. <laughs> oh, you were born that way. I, <laughs> you were born I, loose. <laughs> I want to be up that. on the I want to be up on the right rear tire, You're but yet, but yet I love the asphalt. Like I I struggled on dirt. I mean, I started on dirt in a little dwarf car, which yeah. is basically like a Legends car. And then when we got into the Legends, it was because we could travel and go to different tracks with the same engine, you know, the spec series style uh, tech inspection. And so we went around to a bunch of asphalt tracks and my dad, he had his Legend car, but it was always like I was uh, a percent or two percent looser on the crossway. I'll be damn. Isn't that something? So everybody else is sitting there at 48 and you're down around 45, 46. <laughs> I love it. So, you know, everybody, uh, you know, we, we can't, we can't go too far back because we'd be here five, six hours, but I want to, I want to hit this button and I want you, I'm going to, I'm going to say this and you tell me if it's accurate. So, uh, Paul Mecca, when he was with Exide batteries, uh, one of your early sponsors, he said that you got the ride in NASCAR, your very first ride, because you entered the gong show with Roush Racing, and you were, you won. You were the best driver. Is that true? Is that how you got into NASCAR? Yeah, it was a, it was a tryout series. Oh my god! <laughs> Paul, Paul Mecca. Awesome. I met Paul. I saw Paul Mecca at the Gator Nationals this year, and so that's twenty five years later from when I first got the opportunity to do this gong show. So Roush racing, Jack Roush, he's old school. Uh, there was a show back in the seventies or eighties. I remember TV it called the gong show. <laughs> and, and so five, five guys uh, got invited. And the long and the short story of this is basically there was the Northwest tour champion, Southwest tour, 
There was the goodies dash champion, Robert Huffman. Uh, there was somebody from the Northeast. Maybe it was a solder from the Midwest. I think it was Tim solder. Yeah. Uh, and then it was Gary Lewis, Northwest tour. I was Southwest tour. And the five of us, we got a set of tires and we got 20 laps of practice and they got another set of tires and they made us do a 50 lap run. Mm. And so the, the second test session, what track was this? The second test session was Phoenix international oh. raceway. The first one was Toledo, Ohio. Mm. And I got my, my rear end handed to me by Toledo, Ohio. I about wrecked the truck on lap zero. Mm. And, but at Phoenix, I had raced some Southwest tour races there. And so had all the others. And my slowest lap, Kenny, I honestly, like, I'll tell you the truth was everyone's fastest lap in the practice session. And so I went out there and started ripping around in the Exide truck. Uh, Greg Biffle was there supervising. We had Max Jones, the general manager. And I knew at the end of that day, I called my dad on my old flip phone. Yeah. I go, I go dad, I did really good. If I don't get the job, I know that I'm just as comparable to whoever got the job, we can still do this. You know, maybe we got to go to Winston West or find other cars to drive. And it was about two months later, I got a phone call from the president of Roush Racing, uh, Jeff Smith. And he says, how do you like Detroit weather? And I'm like, did I get the job? I got the job. I got the job. <laughs> I don't care if it's freezing. <laughs> yeah. And so I got, I got the job and then my first race was Daytona in the truck and I finished second and the rest is history. I raced against your brother, Mike, him and I were rivals in the trucks. Yeah. Well, you know, when I listen to a story like that, I think about how you earned where you're at in NASCAR 110% by talent alone. Uh, I can't brag on you enough just because I've raced around you before and I, I see what a great driver you are. So Something, you know, there's so much to talk about, uh, but we got to condense it. Your, your double that you did when you went into the Indy 500 and then you went to the Coke 600. Now, we know you broke a motor in the Coke 600, but Kurt, how in the world did you jump into an Indy car and finish sixth in the Indy 500? Uh, that tells me your talent level, but just give me some highlights of that whole journey in the Indianapolis 500. Yeah, it was a journey. I mean, January one, I didn't have a contract, but mentally I went to work and I would run to the gym, which was three miles. I would go and work out with the instructor. I did different martial arts movements. I did different Pilates, yoga. I just, I wanted to change my game in motorsports. I had just signed with Stuart Haas Racing in the Cup Series. Mm. And with this adventure, I wanted to challenge myself with something new where I thought I could do well. I, I thought I could finish 15th was my goal. I'm like, I can go to Indy, and I, I think I can beat half those guys. Yeah. And I got the ride with uh, Andretti Autosport. Uh, that contract came together in April. And so to have two quality teams, that's the number one thing to do is I had an SHR team and I had an Andretti Autosport team to help me do the double. You know what I'm saying? It's that no, it's, team. That's matching. big. I'm writing that down. I didn't know it was with Andretti. That's really interesting. Yeah. And so that's where you want to go to do well. And you got to have the quality teams behind you. And my indie rookie test, 
you know, they, they had sent me out there my first lap, right. you know, a, a bug starts, bugs start hitting my visor on the back straightaway. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is so cool. Like I haven't <laughs> been on dirt in forever and I haven't been in an open cockpit in forever. Oh. And so bugs are hitting my, my visor. I'm like, yeah, I get to pull a tear off again. And I was just like a kid. Uh, the first rookie test, uh, right at the end of the day, they uh, once I got wide open all the way around and whew, that that sequence, Michael Andretti's there uh, getting it wide open for the first time. He goes, what's the toughest corner at Indianapolis? And I said, uh, turn one. He goes, you're spot on. Right. Right. You see where he's going with this, Kenny? He goes, okay. hey, what's the toughest corner? Second toughest. I go, turn three. He goes, what's the easiest corner? I said, turn four. So you time it to where you go through turn four wide open. Then you still lift on the straightaway. And then you're wide open through the corners, right? And then you got to lift a little bit on straightaways before the next corner. So he says, go through turn two wide open. And then go into three. And you're going to lift a little bit on the straightaway. But by the time you go through four, you got to hold it wide open through four, hit turn one, hit turn two, hit turn three. So it was, a, you know, just getting up to speed, right? I really like this. I'm wide open through through four, and now I'm coming to one, and it's time. Mm. And I had this long conversation with myself down the front straightaway. Oh, God. And I'm doing, <laughs> I'm doing 217. Talking to Elvis. I'm like, you ready? You ready? You guys ready? Oh, wait, the corner's here. I got to go. And I was like, just don't turn in too early. And I was Whoa. wide open through one, made it. I'm like, oh, my God, that's so exciting. Oh, here's turn two. Hold it wide open. Go through two. And then by the time I did three and four and back through one, things started to settle. And now I'm doing 219 miles per hour average speed. That was the Indy rookie test. You know, when we're there for practice and qualifying, uh, now we're doing 231. My Lord. 231. And after I did my first practice qualifying run, Tony Stewart comes over. Mm. And he goes, hey, did turns one and two just turn into one corner now? And literally, you're going so fast, the brain can't digest that there's even a short shoot anymore. Mm. That's how fast the IndyCar gets around Indianapolis. Let me ask you this. You... you, you... You know, when you got up to speed and you held it wide open, you're doing 219. How do you end up getting to 230? Do they trim it out more? Or... Yeah, yep, they, they do two things. So basically, they just add boost. Mm. And then they're taking downforce off the car. Because now that you're going faster, you can take downforce off. Because you get it from the speed. Yeah, you're gaining. Yeah, I get it. Got to get up to speed to get all, all the downforce. And then there's little things they did. You know, I can't get into too much of it. But. It's amazing. It's basically they just turn up the boost, and yeah. here you here you go. Yeah. What's the difference between running wide open in an Indy car at Indy, and let's say going to your first super speedway? I assume it would would it be Daytona uh, or Talladega? And so, what's the difference between holding it wide open at Indy in an Indy car or running wide open at Daytona or Talladega for your first time? Remember uh, back in the day, like at Daytona and especially Daytona, Talladega, not so much, but you had to have handling in yeah. your car and oh, still yeah. be able to hold it wide open. Yeah. Now it's just super simple, right? We're just wide open. 
that was what the Indy car was like. It was the old school NASCAR car where the tires would drop off mm. and it took the big balls yeah. to hold it wide open and still keep your speed. And with the Indy car, there's the weight jacker. I can change cross weight. Oh my, I didn't know that. You can change cross weight in the car. You can change your fuel settings. There's a sway bar adjuster. I had a sway bar adjuster. Did you use all those adjustments? I, I when I wrecked in practice, I stopped messing with stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me of a dirt racer. Daryl Walter once said, I get rid of that brake adjuster. I'm messing myself up. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I was just like, after the wreck, I'm I'm gonna keep it simple, stupid. And in the race to finish up this story, I just went out there to not make mistakes. Yeah. I didn't want to speed on pit road. I didn't want to hit any tires or any crew members on pit road. Yeah. I, I took everything at around a 90% level until halfway. And when I got to halfway, why did I change my mentality? I said, you're done learning. This is all you're going to learn. You got to go now. Mm. And so at halfway, you know, I was able to, to go to like full fuel and had the power. Our pit sequence had been on the right pit sequence and we started moving up. Next thing you know, I'm running ninth. Yeah. A, a couple guys wreck. I'm running seventh. Yeah. Uh, Townsend Bell wrecked off turn two right where I did in mm. practice. And the team says, hey, we got to take downforce off for this final set of tires. It, that's how you win this thing. Mm. And I'm like, man, I, I already have the yips. I already have the, the wiggle in turn two. Yeah. And I just watched a guy wreck right where I did. Right. And I said, guys, we can't do it. And they're like, no, we have to. I'm like, no, we can't. We got to leave the downforce on it. And so came off pit road in sixth, right behind Juan Pablo Montoya. Wow. He's behind Elio Castro Nevis. He's You're there. Ryan Hunter Ray won it. He's right yeah. there. Uh, Marco Andretti's in the mix. I'm like, Will Powers behind me. Sebastian Bourdais is behind me. I'm like. You're with all the big boys. I'm like. And you want one. So when we took that last restart, this is like 10 to go, maybe. <laughs> I went to go to pass Montoya on the outside of turn one because I had a run on him. And he wanted to just take me up to the marbles. And I'm like, this is a Colombian. I already had trouble passing the Russian earlier. I <laughs> Brazilian. Yeah, yeah. Now you get into the country and the nationalities and just how mean. Yeah. You know, they get guys meaner. Are. And so I was like, I checked up on Montoya. Now I'm blocking Will Power. The Aussie, right? Yeah. Look and at I was you like, know the nationalities. That's awesome. It was really cool. And I'm like, man, I got to figure out how to keep my momentum, but not lift too abruptly and settle right here. And that's all I could do. That's all I could get was sixth out of it because those guys are about ready to hand me my lunch. So when you when you lift in those, do you do you do like we do at Daytona? Do you drag brake while you're because you don't want to come all the way out? How how do you lift? but not give up, you know, sucking air into the motor. So you lift on the straightaway with those cars, but you do it very light. Like everything is very light and, and, and very nimble yeah. with your with your movements. And then you're wide open through the corners. So it was just a matter of the right timing and not losing momentum uh, through yeah. the corners to kind of block and, and hold sixth place. Absolutely unbelievable. So uh, I had talked to Chip Ganassi and I said, Chip, I said, You've got all this going on in IndyCar. You're a champion. You've won everything. 
why do you run NASCAR? And Chip Ganassi said, we're in NASCAR because that's where the show's at. So is that right? I mean, why did, I mean, I know it costs a lot of money to stay in IndyCar, but do you believe NASCAR is the show? Is it, is it just more than Indy racing? You know, it's a, it's a delicate balance, but in, in all motorsports, you know, NASCAR in America is the top notch yeah. show. Like I that's agree. Where, there's 25 teams that show up over here with a chance to win. IndyCar doesn't have that many. Our budget is probably six times the amount of money per yeah. car as an IndyCar. Yeah, Indianapolis has that, that aura that 250,000 people and that one race a year. Yeah. Our Daytona is just as big, but we go and travel 36 races and we've got minimum 70,000 people that are at our events every week. That's, yeah. that's what he's talking about with the show and the production. Yeah. Well, I think that's interesting. Well, thanks for talking with me about India. I, I don't feel like that's been talked about enough. I feel like what you did there was absolutely unbelievable and i truly believe that all race car drivers we know how good each other is and none of us want to brag on each other and uh but you know hell i'm 60 now and uh i just want to brag on you because what you've done has has been incredible so had my brother rusty on and uh rusty and i had a great conversation uh about the wrecks that he was in at daytona and we were talking about recovering, you know, from his Daytona wreck. And Rusty said, Rusty said, you know, to this day when I get in the shower, uh, he said, you know, and I, if I close my eyes and I'm, you know, washing my hair, he says, I, I, I get dizzy. And I feel like all race car drivers, even me, I mean, I had a positional vertigo, you know, I lost a championship because of it. So you've been world news lately. You decided to retire from NASCAR because as hard as you tried, you just couldn't be where you wanted to be. So, um, you know, just looking back at your announcement a couple weeks ago, uh, just address that a little bit, you know, about how you feel right now and what's up. Yeah, I mean, long story long. You know, there's never a long short story, right? Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> you, you were world news, and I, and I appreciate you talking to me about this. No, it, um, for me, you know, when I was with Ganassi and Monster Energy was looking at, you know, moving the sponsorship to Ty Gibbs and you know, maybe another driver was going to take over. And then Ganassi sold the team. It, it was like, you know what, this is this is I'm good. I'm satisfied with where everything ended up, you yeah. know, by winning Daytona late in my career, winning a championship early in my career. Yeah, I get you know, it. Running Indy, running a pro stock car down at the Gator Nationals yeah. way back. Wow. You know, I missed that one, but I did see that. <laughs> and I got you. I was going to get that one in there. NHRA. Uh, but a phone call came in. A phone call came in from three different people. One was Denny Hamlin. Mm. One was Toyota, the director of their motorsports program. And one was this guy, the, the goat named Michael Jordan. Wow. Yeah. And those three wanted me to come and race for them and start a second car at 2311. And I said, guys, I, I think I, I fulfilled everything that I've wanted to do, but I'll tell you what I did, Kenny. I'll tell you what I said, guys, thank you. Let me think about this. Yeah. And I went to an old friend 
a mentor of mine named Mark Martin. Mark the Kid Martin. And I asked Mark, I go, Mark, why did you stay in it so many years after you said you were going to retire? And he says, Kurt, because the phone kept ringing. Hmm. Talent. I said, done. You got it. I understand. Yes, sir. And so I called Denny back. I called MJ back. I called the director of Toyota Motorsports. <laughs> and I said, I'm in. And I said, Monster, we got ourselves a team that we're going to go build. And we're going to win together. I said, yeah. we did that at SHR. We did that with Ganassi. Let's go do it again. Yeah. And so that's how the 2311 ride came about in the number 45 car. And, you know, I, I had to get, I had to dig deep. You know, I'm 44 at the time, you know, 44 years old. And, you know, the gym is tougher each day to get out of with your body's hurting more so. And now there's more therapists that I'm working with and massages and doing yoga and me breathing, too. Right. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> just, age is a bitch <laughs> yeah you're right right <laughs> it really is <laughs> and so the season was going well things started off great in 2022 with the new team and um you know we wrecked a couple times bristol dirt that one that one i knew i was thrown for a loop um i i was i was seeing things yeah the lights were moving like you said with rusty vertigo and things like that i didn't feel right and I almost didn't get approved to race Talladega. I was under concussion protocol in the underground. Mm. I got approved on Saturday before Talladega. I worked my butt off that whole week, right? And I'm going for the lead on the last lap around Kyle Larson. And he comes up, changes lanes, and I hit the wall 39 Gs mm. in the trial. 39 Gs. And back in the infield care center, I couldn't walk. Like I fractured my right foot. I wrecked at Dover. I wrecked at Darlington. Uh, there was the Coke 600 here. I it was like a ping pong ball bouncing off cars at the end of stage. Been abused. Two. Yeah. It was bad, man. I went through a bunch of wrecks. That's what led up to, you know, Pocono. And yeah. that wreck, I was I was gone. I was in outer space. I knew it. The doctors knew it, and they said you can't race. Yeah. And it changes things, you know, yeah. and the rehab and everything that I'm going through still, I'm much, much better from where I was a year ago at this time. And I have to thank all the doctors. Uh, the Toyota Performance Center has helped me a ton with the workouts and the stretching and just the continued effort. Uh, but my arthritis and, and the different things swelling up in my body now, because I'm working out too much, just that's why it became too much. Yeah. And I said, you know what? I got to make this decision. And I want Tyler Reddick, you know, to make it feel like it's his car. Yeah. Like it's his team. And that'll help us advance quicker. And so it was a tough decision, but it wasn't like the one moment from Pocono. It was a lot of things. And right. that's why I wanted to tell you this long story long. No, I know I needed I needed every bit of that because I believe, it, it, you know, it's a decision. You know, when Tyler got in the car and you were an, I mean, I learned a lot from you because I grew up in the day where my brother Rusty didn't care for Ryan Newman just being his teammate and Dale Sr. didn't like Mike Skinner being his teammate. And I, I really thought that you, you caring for Tyler Reddick was really pretty incredible. Uh, you showed a lot of love, a lot of support there. And without you telling that story right there, you know, that, that, that gets me to where, you know, what a ride. And, uh, you you went all the way, and uh, so now that here we are in Kenny conversation, that leads me to this. 
I see you wearing that Monster Energy hat. I see that you went and watched uh, uh, Danger Boy Deegan. He wrap up a championship. Uh, Monster Energy has you everywhere. Uh, Without getting too deep, uh, I guess you work for Monster Energy Drink. I guess you're still with Michael Jordan and them. And it seems like you're busier right now than, than you've ever been. Yeah, I mean, being a, a brand ambassador with Monster, awesome. I'm now going on my 12th year with them. You know, they have some legacy programs for some of their older riders like Carmichael, yeah. Jeremy McGrath, you know, Solberg, one of the rally guys. You know, I'm, I'm one of their first NASCAR guys. I got the first checkered flag for Monster uh, in Kyle Busch's Xfinity car uh, back at Richmond in 2012. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's been fun. I mean, it, we're always up to different cross promotions. Um, you know, I was looking to get to an F1 race this year and hang out with our monster group over there, Lewis Hamilton and different, you know, MotoGP guys like Valentino Rossi, different rally guys like the Solberg family. What a name, right. Valentino Rossi. Right? <laughs> Sounds like a wine. <laughs> yeah, he's Italian. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, with Brittany Force and NHRA, you yeah. know, with all the different monster motorsports programs, I get to go around and talk with some of these legends and hang out. But there's also like the monster army. It's the younger kids in the BMX world, snowboarding. Uh, there's the different development programs, uh, even like the bull riders and those guys hanging out, talking with them, teaching them the championship mentality, mm. teaching them that this brand can be a lifestyle for you. If you, if you want to be part of this, this is a family. And so the monster people have been like family to me. Uh, Toyota has been incredible and things at 2311. I'm basically just uh, another set of eyes, you know, a consultant with the team, uh, helping uh, Bubba, helping Tyler, you know, just verifying things with the crew chiefs, um, you know, seeing things in the engineering department and just hanging out in the meetings going, yeah, that's bullshit. You know, I'm calling people out. And I call it de-bullshitting. You, you, so you can de-bullshit. You, you know when people are, are saying the wrong stuff because you've been there, done that. Yeah, and, and it works in all areas, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, I was at a Toyota event uh, with their Supra program and seeing, uh, you know, some of the drivers over there and, you know, a couple of young kids, a couple older guys, and just talking through some of some of their issues and, and struggles. And it's like, all right, let's just let's look at it this way. And so it's been fun to give my perspective back uh, from so many years of racing cars. Yeah, boy, you and you've got great perspective. So you drove for, for some great race teams, just like all the great race car drivers have. Roush, Penske, Chip Ganassi, as you mentioned, Stuart Haas, Thur Furniture Row, and they're now listen, those are great race teams, but I'm I'm gonna say this. You had a little stint with Phoenix Racing. And you're going to, you know, you win basically Sears point, you know, and right then everybody went, okay, look, we knew Kurt was great, but now this puts him on a godly level. You took that Phoenix race car, James Finch, you took that car, which could hardly qualify for a race. Tell me about that moment when you took basically a car that wouldn't even make a race and you're, and basically you win. In my opinion, I mean, tell me about that damn moment. That was a magical race. That was a magical, (laughs) like, 
Like, I, it was almost like I was going to be like, I'm done, guys. Yeah, I'm out. The, the crotch chop. Yeah. Take like, that, bitches. <laughs> yeah, I had a, had the fallout with Penske. You know, we, we finished at Penske in 2010 and 2011. We finished 11th in points. Yeah. Finished in 11th in points with multi-million dollar sponsorships, you know, running out of gas or having bad pit stops or tough year. I wasn't in the groove mentally. Like it was, wasn't where I wanted to be. And, you know, I, I took a step back. Uh, actually I interviewed with Richard Petty to race oh. at Richard Petty Motorsports. I went to level cross North Carolina and got to go to, to a legendary Seattle. level cross. Yeah, I got to see the museum, got to meet King in his office. Ooh. And the offer wasn't right. It just yeah. wasn't the right offer. And I said, no, thank you, sir. And so Wow. You turned to King now because he he shot you low. He didn't respect you. Well, it was a weird it was a weird sequence. I mean, he was even at Daytona the next year saying Kurt Bush is unsponsorable. And oh wow. I couldn't get into a, a banter or an argument with King, right? No. That's when Monster Energy called. They're like, hey, we'll sponsor you. What a story. The rest is history on the Monster side. But with Finch, Finch was funny. He gave me an offer to race for him. He goes, we'll split the person half. Whatever we get, Badass. I'll give you half. I'm like, that's all right. I'll take that. And we almost won Sonoma. It was the setup. I tried to remember as much of the setup You're as I could. You broke. I, I had won the year prior in the yeah. shell car with Penske. So <laughs> I had the setup in my mind. And yes, I drove the car. I drove the wheels off the car. The rear end was falling out. Yeah, it broke. And I couldn't pass Boyer for the lead because it was like swapping ends on me. And I was like, man, I had to win. It was so close. And I had to nurse it home to finish third. Tony Stewart got me you on the last great. lap. You and Stewart late. comes up and he goes, How'd you even finish? The rear end's falling out of the car. Literally, like, we could see it on TV. <laughs> it, was, it was big, but man, if I could have won that, and if I could have won with Furniture Row, which we should have, Furniture Row and Barney Visser, it was so awesome. Like Visser is a is a very Christian man, a great Christian family. Yeah. And after racing with Finch, which is the opposite end of that spectrum, I'll just leave it there. Those two years helped me work my way up from a D-level team, C-level team, B-level team, and back up to an A-level team because that's when Gene Haas called uh, the summer of 2013 when I was with Furniture Row. Yeah. Well, you know, we all go through those situations. Uh, we've all had the journey. Uh, God knows that I've been through some crazy stuff. Uh, but I, I, you know, listen, I, I relate with you. Uh, you know, I, I drove for Furniture Row and, and Barney, you know, he's a Christian and, you know, he, he and then you go with Finch and he, he's got a drink in his hand and always a bracelet on and, and you're, you're dealing with two complete different dynamics. And, you know, I can relate that we have to be able to fit in everywhere and you're dealing with such different people in NASCAR and you, and then you got like the owner, then you got the motor man, then you got the body man and, you're right, as you said earlier, dealing with these young kids. I can definitely see where you're a big help to Monster Energy Drink because driving the car is the easy part. 
it, it's it's capable it's keeping it's you got to become like human resources you got to keep people from fighting each other so you can go fast yep and that's that's part of what i didn't understand when i first came into the sport so back to the gong show yeah, yeah. <laughs> they didn't teach you that <laughs> No, I did a couple interviews, maybe, when I was a Southwest Tour racer, right? Yeah. Got into trucks. Here's a quick story. 1996. Yeah. I won all three divisions at the local short track in Vegas. The year 2000, four years later, I qualified a cup car at Dover, 10th. That's badass. I went so fast through all of the different racing ranks. Yeah. And now I got Dale Sr., you know, making fun of me that, that you know, with the middle finger over in uh, Daytona, you know, it happened that fast. Those yeah. four to five years, I, didn't, I wasn't ready for the media. I wasn't ready for sponsors. I wasn't a professional. You're ready I to win, though. I just wanted to race. Yeah. And so that's why that journey was so great for me after the Penske years to build back up. It was like, I just started over like, Hey, I, can I have your ride Finch? I'll go win with you. Yeah. And then with Barney working my way back up. And that's when I started to like, Oh, it is more about the team. It's not just about the driver or winning. You know, you think winning, you know, there's an old saying, Harry Gant told me years ago, he says, winning's not everything. It's the only thing. And I will never forget that. And uh, so it, it is hard to hear that, that you, you got to have it all. And I understand what you went through. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta wear all nine hats, right? Nine, 10 hats of, of all the areas. Right. So it's well, been fun though. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it in. I mean, I'm a blue collar no. kid from Vegas making $18 an hour, which was big money Yeah, back, back as a teenager and look at where everything turned out. Now my little nephew is eight years old. I'll be at Millbridge raceway tonight. Helping him and his team and, and the guys there. It, it, it's now a third generation with us. I'm going to ask you a question. We're, 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 that, we're 40 minutes already. We're coming to the very end here. But I started asking this question to some of the greats, and you're one of the greats. Uh, you did all this. I rattled off all those incredible stats. I mean, I, I make, you know, I make notes. Of, I mean, you, you've done it all. You know, there it all is. You've done it all. But then when I talk to you, you hear it, but you right away go back to some of your childhood. Is it? So my question is this, is there that gap in the middle of your life where you, you almost kind of forget all the greatness you have? Uh, there, there's the, the ego that helps, I think, a lot of drivers make it to a, a top elite level to be the best of the best this top one percent yeah you're there there's there's the humility that you learn along the way because like on your stats there there's 776 starts but there's only 34 wins mm. so how many times yeah. do you lose yeah you know there there's the tough days there's the great days you know i remember when i was a rookie in cup and i got a top five me and my buddies would, would have a, a barn burner party. Yeah. And top then, five. and then like times when you get interviewed after a top five later in your career, the media goes, yeah, just, just another, uh, you know, you know, low level day for, for Kurt Bush and team. It's like, 
Dude. That's how things change once you start accumulating all of and this. And you hear that, don't you? Yeah, it's like, no, this is a damn good day. And right. it's like, and they're like, nah, he didn't win. While they're eating donuts and getting fat in the media center. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, there's, all the, there's all the emotions all the way through. And, and things you digest as a 22-year-old when I first got into Cup are very different than when I was a 44-year-old finishing up my racing career. And so, again, I'm very blessed, and you have to learn all of it. You have to learn. Nobody knows it right off the bat. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at drivers in Formula One, like mm. a Max Verstappen. Well, his dad raced in F1. That's how he might have gotten that opportunity. Yeah. There's there's a good core group of us in NASCAR and, and IndyCar that, that were just barely trying to scrape their cars together to get to the go-kart track yeah. and wanted to work their way up. And I, I'm a lucky enough kid because there's tens of thousands of kids just like me that yeah. didn't get the opportunity. So that's why I'm so thankful uh, that it's all turned out the way it has. Well, we've reminded everybody. And if you're at the end of, of this incredible Kenny conversation with Kurt Busch, he made it to NASCAR uh, on what they called the gong show. He got there because he had the most talent. Uh, so let's end like this, Kurt. We do this with all the drivers. Uh that are great like you uh, three or four questions about, about NASCAR and you can't get yourself in trouble any more than Tony Stewart. Let it all out. <laughs> if, you, if you go back to Tony's interview, uh, I said, no, don't get yourself in trouble. And he didn't, but let's, let's end like this. So you're a champion. You've done it all. So what you say matters. What is your opinion on NASCAR today, where NASCAR is right now? I like where NASCAR is. Yes, it has areas of weaknesses. It has areas of strength. The key thing that I remember the most coming up through was I got to meet Bill France Jr. Mm -hmm. I got to meet him at the Waldorf Astoria when I was champion in 04. Awesome. I got to go to his presidential suite. And when the door opened, I had to cut through the smoke with a knife. Best banquet ever, Waldorf. That's the real, that's the real champion's place. Damn it, I love that. <laughs> yeah, he's smoking that. He's smoking and drinking beer. Yeah, it was so much smoke. I had to cut through that scissors. <laughs> Where are you at, Mr. France? Where are you this at? This is our president. <laughs> yeah. And he said, son, sit down. I got something to tell you. And he said, you're a champion now of my sport. Don't yeah. go fuck it up. Yeah. Yeah. And I this like way people really talk. Yeah. Right. And I liked that iron fist mentality. Yeah. Times when I was in trouble with Mike Helton, it was, you're, you got to fix this. Yeah. Now what I see with NASCAR, there is the France family, but there's such a board of directors and others and all these categories and all Not these things guy. going on that it's a committee and it, it hurts itself. Sometimes there still needs to be that one go-to like we're going this direction type of person. That's what I I'd like it. to see with our sport. Yeah. I, I really, really like what you said because I'm older than you. And, uh, you know, Mike Helton called me up one day and fined my ass $10,000. Uh, that's another story. And I, and I had to write a check, you know, to NASCAR. I, I got my, my butt in trouble. So I, I like what you said because after that, me and Helton became dear friends. Yep, you learn from that, and, and he wanted to try to give you a lesson. Yeah. Right? But one thing I also can add to that is I see a lot of sponsors block other sponsors. 
Mm. It's like I can't hold up. Like when I was with Penske, there was the Shell gas saver card or something. Oh, man, win. Yeah. And I got a call from the president after I won saying, hey, you can't do that. It's Sunoco's victory lane. Oh. And I went, I don't care. I just want to race with our race team. You guys go sort that out. I yeah, don't care. Right. So there's the times where sponsors don't even jump into our sport because it's already blocked. And we can't do that. We can't hurt each other with different turf and different contracts of who owns what. But that's that's the way it works. Yeah, I, I don't like that either. I just dealt with that. My brother Rusty was supposed to be in Vegas with Midnight here in a couple of weeks, uh, the great race car. And uh, I was excited for Rusty to go out to Vegas, the race coming up with Midnight. And uh, word on the street is that can't go out there because uh, Toyota don't want him out there running that forward around the racetrack. And I'm like, that don't even make sense. You know, pick another excuse, you know, because I mean, all the auto makes race with each other. And as they always taught me, competition's good. So, okay. So the next one is, uh, yeah, man, I don't know how you're going to feel about this one because I feel like it's one thing that added to your retirement, but that's my opinion. What is your opinion on this, this new next gen car? Yeah, it's it. It's got its issues, and there's been changes made since my accident, uh, since Bowman's. Uh, I think uh, Noah Gregson was held out a race or two. You know, it's rigid. It is very stiff, and it's built to protect a guy like um, Priest that wrecked at Daytona, mm, right? Yeah. Wasn't that nasty? The oh. car's built to withstand the 200 mile per hour. Daytona, Talladega, big, big wrecks. And all the middle size wrecks, all the smaller bump drafting even is more rigid in this car. That's where we've got to continue to soften it up at certain tracks. Right. And they did that with the rear clip. They've done that with different headrests and inserts. I mean, I exaggerated my wreck because I leaned forward knowing when I was going to back in. But it's like primal fear. If something's coming from behind, you're like, oh man, don't hit me. So my head was away from the headrest. And so when I hit, I exaggerated everything. And I don't even remember the car hitting with the right front. So, cause I was in outer space. Yeah. But it needs its continued development. I think we've seen a lot of cars hit this year and the rear gets, gets crumpled up in a better and in a better manner. But let's just keep working on it. Let's just keep committed to it. But the the sled tests and the data still got to be right. You can't fabricate that stuff. It's got to be real. Right. I agree. So that car is so rigid that everything is within a thousandths now. You used to be where, you know, hey, it's within a sixteenth. And now we're down to 020, just craziness. So what is your opinion on uh, tech inspection? Now, now we're now we're lasers, lasers. What What is your opinion on tech inspection? Well, I mean, it's it's like it was an Indy car when I raced there almost a decade ago now. You know, a car goes across the grid there. You know, everything gets scanned and lasered. It shows you where you're in the red, shows you where you're in the green. I like it. I just wish it was transparent that all teams could see where everybody was. Uh, right now, NASCAR still has all of that. And maybe we need a third-party independent set of officials. You know, like the referees in the NFL, are they employed by the teams? No, 
are they employed oh, by the NFL? Never thought about that. A third party set of officials. And that's something to where that might help with the integrity of things and, and keeping things a bit more on a, a transparent level. Last one. We are seeing uh, record setting fines. Uh, you know, Rick Hendrick, who just won 300 races. Of course, he has four cars, but he, you know, a total of $400,000 in fines. Uh, do you think these fines uh, are okay? They warranted? What is your opinion? And this is the last question. Uh, the big fines. I'm fine with it. I mean, hey, where does the money go? It should go under the point fund money, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think it goes to NASCAR Foundation, but I like what you're saying. <laughs> no, I, I, you still got the, the fines and the money points. I mean, heck, they took Denny Hamlin's win away last summer at, at one of the Pocono races, right? Right. Because of, of a manipulation to the front area where Piece we're changing the way the wrap was. Yeah. I mean, everything is so close. But when you mess up and you're out of that box, yeah, you got to get get your hand slapped. And I still like points yeah. versus the money. I think people are more upset about points because if you are taking away a race full of points and you finish three spots worse at the mm -hmm. end of the year in the point mm -hmm. fund money, that's a bigger hit than $100,000. Yeah, and I agree with that because a lot of the contracts – are wrote in there where the teams will receive hundreds of thousands of dollars and maybe even a million dollar bonus from their sponsor. Well, Kurt Bush, look at you, buddy. You look great. Uh, I love your shirt. And um, I got this from my dad. He went to the race of gentlemen and it's out on the beach in Wildwood, New Jersey, like Ray Everham and him went drag racing up and down the beach. That is too awesome. And, and, and to watch your mom and dad be part of your, uh, and your brother, Kyle, watching you guys race your whole life, I've really enjoyed how they went about it. They've been at these races, but they stay in the, you know, in the back. And But uh, your mom and dad are wonderful people. And, and Kurt, listen, from the bottom of my heart, uh, I mean this. Thank you so much for carving a little time out for Kenny Conversation. Absolutely, Kenny. Always for a racer. We come from a racing family, and we're always here to help each other in the NASCAR world, my friend. I appreciate you having me on, man. Thank you. Thank you. Well, listen, everybody, we are in podcast form. Remember, on your way to work, you can listen to us. And then on the way home, we are at iTunes and Spotify. Until the next Kenny Conversation, we'll see you next time.